You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on, lines the deep left field, it is gone! It went, deep right, Batista's going to wait the back, start the fireworks show! This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 164. I am your host, Matt Lyons. On this week's episode, we've got some over-unders for Cleveland players. We've got some bullpen signings, Brian Shaw, an old friend, Keith Embry, potentially a new friend coming over from the Phillies. We'll have uh, MLB's leaked plan for deadening the baseball, which they totally definitely didn't uh, do anything to it before, but now they've admitted that they're going to undo the thing that they never did something. It's very strange. Um, well, the community poll about Cleveland's closer, about who it should be, discuss some of the responses to that. Joining me for all that is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? Good. I'm great. Um, damn, I had a quippy remark there about something you said, but then I started looking at velocity charts and I completely forgot it. So, fine. Very well. Thank you for asking. They'll do that to you. Those velocity charts, man. They you know, come out of All nowhere. these numbers. Just... Look at this. 95, 92, 93.3. Those are numbers, Merritt. All of these numbers. And more. They are. Next week on Let's Go Drive. <laughs> so on, uh, so this week on Let's Go Drive, I guess last week technically, but um, we've been doing just kind of a way to preview the season, just uh, over-unders, just basically on their projected. I went by zips. Like I kind of regret doing that because of how many relievers I used also that kind of got front-loaded in the randomization of the players, but it's just going through um, every player. We just lay out the zip stats for what they what zips projects they'll do and then just let everybody pick an over under and discuss it just kind of a way to avoid saying basically the same because i mean nothing's changed since we've done the season in reviews so it's just another way to talk about players and kind of get their projections out there and what they are basically just give people another reason to talk about stuff when we're in february and a couple weeks away from the season but the first one we'll start with i figure you and i Mary, we can just go back and go through them real quick and just give our over unders and what yeah think they'd be I, I would assume some of them are pretty easy but some could be a little different but tristan mckenzie up top zips has him at a 493 era 49 fip 9.7 strikeouts per nine a 0.6 war which mostly comes from the fact that he has a 65.7 innings pitched yeah i said in mine um i was only one for this because i don't think many people consider the under but i said over basically just because i think zips is way underestimating his innings pitch if there is a case for the under i think it's that he won't pitch 65 innings, which he's injured or or something. But I think it's pretty much a lock. Like, if he can pitch anything close to that, he's going to overperform the ERA and FIP of what Zips has him at, which is almost five, which is kind of ridiculous considering how, how good we saw him last year. I know we kind of tailed off at the end, but um, I, I think he'll way overperform this either way. Either he's going to pitch a lot more innings or pitch the same innings, get hurt, but he'll also have pitched way better in the, the games that he did pitch. Yeah, I, I think Zips is just massively underrating his many things about him i guess um particularly his walk numbers i guess i'm just looking at, 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 at their projections they say 3.43 per nine which i mean i i always kind of pegged him for a good control guy that's one of the things that kind of you saw in him when he, as he moved through the, the minors was he attacked the zone so we i think that's what we saw of him here in 2020 as well uh somewhat to his detriment because you know good hitters tee off so by virtue of the fact that he'll just be throwing um I mean, at least 100 innings, one would have to think. You know, they have to fill, what, 1,200 and change up or whatever it is. And outside of the top three, you got another 600-some-odd to fill. So I figure he's going to factor in that because he's honestly one of the seven best starters probably in the in the system. So, um, oh, yeah, sure. so I mean, I would just think just by virtue of that fact alone. He'll... Yeah, and Zips has him at um, 14 starts and 16 games. I don't know why Zips always does 
I don't know if they do a manually pick playing time or it's some kind of other way to determine it. There's always like a random number of games and starts unless yeah. they're one of the frontline starters. But for McKenzie, it has him at 14 starts, 16 games. Uh, like Steamer has him at 24 starts, but even they have his ERA at 4.64. So that's a, a little better, I think I would hope. But I, I'm not saying he'll get to like 3.24 again like he had in a really limited time. But I mean, I, I believe in the fact that he came out and pitched so well. I, I guess just the, the only real thing with him is just if he can do it over full season. Because we saw it over eight starts before and now he's got to do it and be a, a stick out there well and, and i mean we we mentioned I, I mentioned his home run rate you know 17.1 percent is not great but you know as you mentioned we'll, we'll talk about it a bit later and it's going to impact all these numbers anyway it's just the fact that the ball is going to be different so he's going to give up less home runs and that will help his his and everyone else's era obviously so yeah i think he'll definitely he'll i think he'll definitely overperform this i'm i'm excited about him being a, a two-ish win player honestly i think he'll have an era in the mid to high threes and strike out nine to ten guys he'll strikeouts are going up anyway i think he'll walk somewhere south of three per nine and yeah no i, I think this is definitely a, a guy who's more than I, th- I think what we saw this past year was definitely um maybe slightly better than what he'll be but still pretty good so and most everybody agreed to it was 93 percent over which was 188 votes 174 said over um, I would assume 14 to start. He'll be hurt at some point, but everybody else pretty much agreed. Our next one is Andre Jimenez. Obviously came over in the Francisco Lindor trade. He's the one um, where if there is, uh, unless it's, oh, who was it, Josh Wolf or the outfitter they got, this is the one that's, you're looking at the one to perform for ring back Francisco Lindor. Um, but Zips has him at uh, 480 plate appearances, nine home runs, 28 stolen bases, 77 WRC plus, and a little over one war. I said the under on this one, mostly just on playing time because I think they're going to manipulate his service time more than what Zips has. Um, I think the offense is uh, steamer had him a little bit better at 87 WRC plus. So it's everything just ticked up a tiny bit, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think, I think Steamer's probably closer to his actual production, like 90 WRC plus like 10% below average. Um, Cause I mean, last year he was a little bit over, but he also played in 60 games and I don't think opposing pitchers got a chance to adjust to him. And maybe when they do, because, I mean, he was like Francisco Lindor in the minors, that he's a defensive first shortstop, but obviously Lindor came up and then beat the piss out of everything. I just don't know if Jimenez will do that quite as much. But I took the under mostly on playing time and also a little bit on the fact that I don't think he's going to be an, an average hitter, at least right away. But they're mostly going to manipulate his service time and just pretend he has to work on something until a convenient point. Yeah, it's, it's, it feels like kind of a cop-out. You're probably right. I don't know. I mean, they, they're suggesting he gets between Steamer and Zibs. You're looking between 420 and 480 at-bats. I still think that's a fair number. I mean, wh- I, I honestly have no idea when they're going to fill him up because it, I, I've, I've ceased trying to figure out what, when that manipulation of service time actually makes sense, only because of when they called up Lindor versus like when the Cubs called up like Chris Bryant or whatever, like 17 days in the season. So um, I don't know. I, I I feel comfortable saying he will he might crest the over just because I think he'll play more than you think because I think they're going to trade um, – I don't know. I think, I think they're going to need to fi- figure out a way to maybe not trade at Rosario, but figure out a way to get them both on the field just because they're both better players than a lot of the other options they have just in general. So um, if the goal here is to compete, and we've been told over and over and over and over and over that it is, I think that he'll probably get 400-ish at bats. And I think he'll be better than, than they're projecting him bat-wise just because he's always been okay at hitting and he's still young and he was rushed a little bit when, when he got up to the Mets. So, you know, he's... Um, 50 games is nearly enough to start getting an idea of what kind of player a guy is, at least in terms of some things. So I would I would take – honestly, I'd take the over on that one, though, on, on 1.1, if only maybe because the defense will play better than we expect. 
Yeah, yeah, I definitely wasn't like way under or anything, but it's one of those ones where if I left a, a choice as just over under or push, I would probably went push. I think it's pretty close too. Yeah, most people kind of agreed that uh, it's it's close. Fifty eight percent said over, forty two under. So uh, that's fair. That's not one I'm really torn up about because I think it could go over too. It's pretty easily. Our next one, um, big believer. He has in John Cena, of course, Logan Allen. He uh, came over in the um, was that that was Clevenger trade, yeah, last year. Yeah. Uh, two years ago now, it's already seems like one year, but I took the under on this one as well. This one again comes down to playing time pretty much. Um, Zip sees him starting 16 games, playing in 21 total, and pitching 88 innings. I thought that's probably a little high for Logan Allen. Uh, had him with a 5.5 ERA. I think he could maybe outperform that a little bit. I, I think he's probably better than that as a lefty, but I think he is just going to be. I mean, they need a lefty in the bullpen at some point because they have, I think, literally nobody right now. Unless, well, we don't need lefties anymore, remember, because of the minimum that's true, yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, so that's not even really a thing anymore. Yeah, just get somebody who can not be terrible against lefties. You can't target them as much anymore. So, uh, but yeah, I think Logan Allen's going to be in the bullpen either way if he's up more. If, if he does start in 16 games, I think there's a, a problem <laughs> going on. I think we're in deep trouble if Logan Allen is one of the top I mean, you'd have to be like one of the top four or five starters in 16 games. So I think if this prediction or if this projection does come true where he's point three Warren starting this many games, we're going to have issues. So this this is kind of a hopeful under on Logan Allen for me. So just for like references sake, Phil Mayton last year pitched 21 innings and it was worth 0.7 wins by replacement. Now he was excellent. His, his fielding independent pitching was 2.22. I don't know. I think they'll get more than... 30 or so innings out of Logan Allen. You know, if you, if you look back to like 2019, the number of pitchers who threw at least like 35 innings for the for the Indians is um, more than you'd think. In fact, that number is precisely, uh, I'm looking at 2020 like a bonehead. Great, great. Uh, That'll ruin everything for you. Oh, uh, great, stupid 2020, horrible year. Uh, so 16 different players threw at least 30 innings and then tw- Dan Otero threw 29.2 in 2019. So, I think that's a long way of me saying that, and that includes a lot of guys that they traded away like midseason things like that. I don't think we're going to see as many moves, guys going away from the rotation. So, I think the playing time argument on that one, I would, I would go with you over on that one, just because I think he'll throw at least thirty innings, and I think it'll be impactful. Well, his innings are eighty-eight, so you think it'll be under on that? Because I think it'll be over thirty. I don't have a problem with that. I think well, what I'm saying is, Phil Mayton only threw twenty-one point two innings, and he had point seven wins above replacement on that one. And I don't think it'll be that good, but I think he'll throw 40 innings and be worth oh, like yeah, four wins. About Everything else, I mean, you know, I could go either way. I don't, I'm not expecting huge things out of Logan Allen, quite honestly. I mean, maybe he will start. I don't know about 16 starts. That seems like a frightening number. Um, I didn't realize he was as bad at not walking people. That's yeah, the Zip has him four. And even in the minors, like he was walking yeah. four or five per nine, which is... And I think that's just going to, more than anything else, when you think about... Um, Pitchers at Cleveland profiles, that is that is a death knell right there. Is you need to not walk people. You can strike out people mediocrely, but you need to not walk people because, you know, I mean, even with the Lindor trade, they continue to maintain a great infield defense. So take I think that that's one thing they've kind of featured over the last many years. So yeah, I'm, this I'm, one, I'm, um, I'm confident. Twenty eight percent agreed with you on this one. Twenty eight over. Well, though that's twenty eight brilliant people and seventy two percent yeah 72 people who are boneheads our next one another reliever um this one i i smashed the over button on because it's nick whitgren um, yeah what the hell dude he's gonna throw like 70 <laughs> innings <laughs> i know right it doesn't matter if you like him or not he's gonna be out there he's gonna grind his way to at least more than the point three war the zips has him at they have him 57 innings which that's i think more than that maybe a little bit it's gonna be a lot but that's fair 
Um, I mean, Zips also, also has out of four eleven ERA, which I think is will be a little better than that. But that's not too. It's good. It's not too positive, and it's not too negative about him. I don't know. I'm, I'm expecting a, a maybe not an explosive year out of him. He's just gotten like incrementally better. I think every year. Like obviously the numbers aren't there, but like like the like ERA maybe not, but like I, I I think he'll be better than that in 2021. I I don't know why I think that. I just I feel like I've watched in the last few years, and there's been growth in him that I'm I'm encouraged by. I suppose. Maybe because I wrote like seven articles about him uh, in the last like year and a half, but just like small little weird things that I found neat about him, just like the way he kind of tunnels pretty well and yeah, which is a Cleveland thing. Good. It's it's something they seem to like. Right. And, I mean, last year's spikeout rate. I'm mean, of course again, it's only like over twenty five games, but it was almost it was double digits. It was almost eleven strikeouts in nine innings. So if he can keep that up, I mean, you know, the fastball velocity's gone up every single year the last three years. Um, I think his slider's getting a little bit better been incorporating a change up more too, which you have to do obviously now that you have to pitch against uh three uh guys at least. So I don't know, I'm encouraged by him, I suppose. You look at other things with stat cast numbers, they're not quite as inco- encouraging, but you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, he is a he's just like backwards because he doesn't all of his stuff is just not great. <laughs> all of his measurements on baseball savant are just bad. But yeah he was also used as like in a, as the fireman for the Indians basically last year. He came in, in one of the highest leverage situations i don't think you'll have to do that this year because i would hope it would be who's karen that guy check karen check that's a. the one or class a yeah i mean even phil mayton i think at this point he's a better yeah. reliever just because he's, he's so good but i mean if i, 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 would if I still... needed if i need one strikeout and i'm and i'm keeping what's his name in the in the bullpen uh, in the bullpen to be the closer in, in karen check um i'm going to mayton i mean he has the second best strikeout rate on cleveland in the last like two or three years now and i also think that um he's not going to be in as many like clutch situations and he won't Oh, that's what I was saying. He won't be in those situations anymore. So I think he'll benefit from that too, that he's not going to be coming in these stressful situations and have guys on base and the potential. I think he walked in a winning run last year, which was bad, but he'll be coming in much low leverage, I would hope, this year, and that'll maybe help him a little bit. But um, 80% took the over on that one, 20 under, so that was pretty pretty clear cut there. Next one, who we were just talking about, James Karinchak. Um, Zips had him at 0.9 war, which um, considering his walk issues, I, I think that it's, it's really impressive him with a 3.17 ERA. But still, almost seven walks per nine, but seventeen strikeouts per nine. So, um, forty-eight games, forty-eight point three innings pitched. I think it's. I think they have him as the closer, um, which I guess makes sense in the old school kind of way. But I would still like Karinchak to be used somewhere. Um, I th- I do think Phil Mayton would be the one-off one you want out there. But yeah, they have him as the. All the projections have Karinchak as a closer, getting thirty-one saves. But what are they, yeah, what are they get innings pitched wise? I, I I clicked away from that page by accident. Where for Karinchak. Yeah, he's at forty eight point three for zip. Steamer has him at sixty three, so they're way up. Um, so like, so I'm not sure what the disparity is there, but so like yeah, I, I just I went back to twenty nineteen and just sorted you know relief pitchers by wins above replacement, and you know Liam Hendricks threw eighty three innings and was worth three point eight wins above replacement. Kirby Yates though was at sixty and he was worth three point four. Um, both these guys did not walk seven guys per nine. Uh, uh, Brandon Workman though. 71.2 innings, 13.606 strikeouts per nine, and 5.65 walks was at 2.1. So, like you said, I um, 0.9 seems low just because I, I, he's he's got to get more control a little bit, right? I mean, maybe just a little bit more, I would, I would expect, I would think. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, he's I would, got such a good fastball, it almost doesn't matter if he can control it or not. I mean, right, like when right, he gets exactly. that thing moving, when he gets his curveball with it, I mean, yeah, if he walks fastball, three guys and strikes out three, then whatever, he's got out of the inning. He also seems like the guy that wouldn't be like collapse when there's runners on base. He seems like it would just piss him off and he'd be better unless he's overthrowing. But he just seems so competitive that if he does 
load the bases with walks. He's going to strike out as many as he can and just throw I, ridiculous. I feel like there was one or two times in 2020 where it seemed like he lost some kind of some level of composure. I suppose at times when there were guys on base, but maybe I'm just misremembering and I'm just remembering the Indians collapsing in general. So <laughs> well, he always yeah. looks like he's losing composure because he's out there flipping the ball and biting his glove and that's true. On the verge of <laughs> having a manic breakdown, but. <laughs> But it just kind of blends in. We never really know. He's just hiding it from the enemy. Uh, what a maniac! And you know, it's it's crazy. Like you look at like his his strikeout rate, like in terms of like percentages, it yeah. looks worse than it actually is because he walks so many people. But it's it's, it's absolutely insane. So it's know. ridiculous. And it's also crazy that like the projections actually stick with seventeen, because usually when you get that many, they shoot it down because they're so conservative. Like Steamer does. Steamer has about thirteen strikeouts per nine. But Zips is like, screw it, send it seventeen strikeouts. He can do it again. Um, and as far as who picked, uh, Blake Oran picked over and Matt Schlichting picked under. So I didn't actually write on this one. But this is another one where, like, I, I think I take the over, actually. I was going to say it, it'd be one where it's it's right on, but I think I take the over. If he can pitch, if he can close a full season's worth of games, if which, again, I would rather they not do that. But if they do, I think he gets close to those other numbers you were mentioning where it doesn't matter how many walks. He's going to be striking out a ton and not let too many score. So No, exactly. I, I, it's, I, I think it's, it's a crazy talk to even think that because yeah, it says he struck out forty eight point six percent of batters, but like if he cuts his walk rate walk rate down at all, that'll be over fifty percent. So, um, yeah, no, I well, yeah nine point nine is crazy. I think he's, I think he'd be a one and a half to two kind of a guy this year. So there you go. Eighty uh, percent agreed with us though. Twenty percent with the evil Matt. It's, it's Matt and evil Matt we've so. determined. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's what we'll be doing. Um, that's the first group. I figure we can do these. It's just a quick segment for on the podcast. We can do it. I love then, it. Um, yeah, we're doing it through the rest of pretty much the off season as far as on Let's Go Tribe if you want to head over there and vote on them. But um, as far as what the Indians did, they are actually doing things. They've they've pretty much said that Eddie Rosario was it as far as big signings, but they are adding non-roster guys, which at this point was um, Cleveland hero, a much blind hero, Brian Shaw, um, which he, he gets way too much hate, but they didn't sign him to spring training invite. Uh, last year, he was terrible. He had six inning pitched, 12 earned runs, four strikeouts, six walks. That is just awful um he signed all a deal. the wrong high numbers man it's, that's, yeah. that's great clean <laughs> and then it's even worse because he signed in colorado the two years previous to that which obviously his era went up his home run right spiked 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 um he, he still kept the ball a lot on the ground a lot which is one of his biggest things that he did with cleveland he did it in colorado too which is kind of a feat in itself keeping the ball on the ground but when the balls were up they were flying out of um course field but he was also bad everywhere and like his era minus was still bad um which of course um What's the word I'm looking for? Factors. It's not good. Park factor. It was not it's good. Not yeah, that's, that's, it, it considers park factors. Um, but he told, he basically tried to say that Coors Field was part of the problem. And it wasn't just the the fly balls. It was the fact that he said his sliders didn't work there at Coors Field. Um, so he's basically just being a cutter pitcher, which he was not happy with. And he wasn't comfortable doing it. Well, and it would it would stand to reason, too, that your cutter wouldn't work very well. That's the thing about Coors Field just in general. Like nothing breaks the way it's supposed to. And then you end up, all of a sudden, you're out on the on the road and it's moving more than you expect and you're just you're caught in between and you're you're only on the road for what four or five games he gets what two appearances in those four or five games so if he's in a bad way then he's not going to do well and it's just it builds upon itself so yeah because he actually, he actually finished with a woba at home that was better than on the road but i think like you said it's it's a good point it's just a comfort issue like if it's not working in one place it's not going to feel good in the other I like that. The thing is, like, cause when Colorado spent all that money on their bullpen um, in what was it, 2018, I guess, they got him and um, shit, that closer from uh, the uh, Royals. I'm not going to remember anyone's name because they're bullpen guys, but they just signed a bunch <laughs> of like strong bullpen guys. Like, and I, I like Davis. the guy. 
Yeah, Wade Davis. Yeah. Uh, and it, it seemed like a smart idea at the time, but it's just like, it's just, it, someone's going to figure out how to make things work there one day. And like, I don't know if it's just having two sets of pitchers, one that only pitches at home and that only pitches away or what, I don't know what it is, but I like that. I, the idea behind it, but it's just, they're, they're, they're such a supremely and uniquely boned team in that way. Like even more so than Arizona. So, but I like designing, you know, I mean, whatever I, these, um, these non-roster choices are always, uh, I just love them because like they happen, and then immediately I'm like, "What the fuck?" I have this like innate like reaction to them signing someone as though it's going to have any real impact on anything at all, right? Yeah, <laughs> because I'm like, "What the fuck is this a crazy choice?" Him, I like that. I like Brian Shaw. Yeah, he just, he'll he, yeah, he'll 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 pitch in five games just for training. But yeah, you know what? He doesn't have it actually. So we'll he's just, left 17 uh, runs. We're going to go ahead and slip him out the door now. Yeah, we're going to uh, his velocity's down to like you know nothing and um. He, he was not pitching well in Seattle, which is not great. It'll be cool to see you back in a tribe uniform. Um, again, one of the absolute workhorses of baseball from about 2014 to 2017. He pissed so much. I swear to God, he was in every single game, it felt like. And in huge positions and often succeeding and sometimes not. And then they became maligned for those reasons. And yeah. I don't know. Which I mean, sucks because he did. I think he was more good than bad with Cleveland. I think he just had bad spots in I don't know if it was more proportionally than most relievers, but it just seemed like people seemed to be paying attention more when he blew something as opposed to the million times he came in and like either got out of a rough spot in the seventh inning or pitched a clean seventh inning and nobody seemed to care. Yeah, from, just... well, from twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen, he led the he led baseball in appearances. So I did see him constantly. He had a three oh eight ERA over that time and I don't know. He was I thought he was excellent, quite honestly. Um, didn't have any, any. He only had eight saves the entire time. That is wild to me. I mean, he's also fourteen and nineteen. That's just the doom of being a, of a, of a relief pitcher. So I mean, just an absolute Iron Man. Like good, just a very good relief pitcher who was. I think that, that whole run from especially from twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen, I thought he was excellent. He started falling off in twenty seventeen, but um, but yeah, good player, good pitcher, um, effective. And I don't know if we'll even see him pitch a single regular season inning, but. Who knows? Maybe he'll catch it again. You know, that's the thing. Like, maybe he just needed some time off and he just realized he needed to do something differently. And maybe his changeup's getting good again. He started throwing more of that the last couple of years. And who knows? Maybe he won't, maybe he won't be bad. And then all of a sudden they have a good... He went, like, two gimmicky places, basically. Because, I mean, um, yeah. T-Mobile Park, I guess, other in Seattle now is, is all damp and everything. And then Colorado is complete opposite, where you can have everything a million miles. So maybe he... Just get back to the weather he knows in Cleveland or something, and the slider works again. I just need the weather to be pitching. shit. This sucks. Yeah, that's what he needs. Yeah. <laughs> I need to be 30 degrees when I pitch. Damn it. I don't need rain it's or... Yeah. I guess I mean, cold in Colorado, too. If but. you get 40 innings... Oh, yeah. It snowed in June there one time during a <laughs> right, game. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's just... Bullpens are fun because you just keep, kind of keep on shooting dice on them, and like maybe you'll just have that... You'll catch him for that year. You know what I mean? And th- that one bounce-back year guy will have, and then... I feel like Fernando Rodney made a career out of doing this. We're just having oh, one God. dynamite year and then just being like <laughs> shit for two or three and then like going somewhere else and hitting big again and just kind of wandering around the league. So Yeah, I mean, Cleveland's really good at finding those. We've talked about that a lot. Like you got Dan Otero and Jeff Manship and um, I think Phil Maton's one, but I think he's a permanent one. He's just a good pitcher. And I think, um, I don't I don't think Brian Shaw, the Redux, is going to be one. But the other guy they signed, Heath Embry, um, he's on minor league deal. He's worth $1.5 million. Or 1.25 if he makes the club out of spring training. I think he's one where he's interesting enough where I think he could hit the the analytic department of Cleveland and probably excel. 
Um, he even said when he was deciding where to go, um, I'm sure a bunch of people were willing to give him minor league deals because it's essentially nothing, but he basically said Carl Willis was part of it because, um, they, they've worked together in Boston, which is where they both were. Um, and Henry also felt that Cleveland was quote, maybe a little further along in terms of analytics than any other club he's played for, uh, seeing the resources they have and what's going to be available for me to develop. I'm going to be able to dive deeper into my repertoire and makes what makes me, me on the mound. So, I mean, as far as getting through to a guy with all this stuff he seems like he's really open to it which is encouraging for cleveland and what they have um and he's also a guy like if you look at his baseball savant stuff he's got a, a gigantic spin rate on his fastball curveball is pretty good um fastball velocity is all right but every, all the result stats from the last couple of years have just not been great so there's something there's clearly something not working but he's he's got something there as well like he can excel in one thing and if cleveland can work that into something whether it's mirroring his pitches or tunneling a little better but um I don't know if that's something you you can just figure out at 32 years old, but if they can, this could be another Manship, Otero, Oliver Perez kind of thing where they get a guy in and then um, he's amazing. So I think this this signing is is way under the radar. I think more than Brian Shaw, it has the potential mm-hmm. to be exciting. Um, and I mean, the guy pitched in, I, I, I didn't realize this, I was looking stuff up for him, but he pitched in the 2018 World Series, bottom of the 11th, um, game through the World Series. He faced Bellinger, Puig, and a couple other guys, um, got out of it scoreless, so. He's pitched in some big situations, which take that for whatever you want. But I think he's just, he's an interesting signing more than most. I think he went completely unnoticed, but I would be, I would be more surprised if he didn't pitch a single inning in Cleveland this year, as opposed to Shaw, who I'd be surprised if he made it at all. But he's here now and we'll get to see him in a couple of weeks, probably. Um, I just was looking this up too. The reason I was looking at velocity charts that confused me as we opened this up uh, on the show was based on him alone, he would be third, he has the third hardest fastball on the team. And that includes Class A coming back, maybe fourth, I guess. And the other thing that Henry does too, um, we talked about a couple weeks ago, if you think about spin rate on a clock, where you want um, your fastball to be spinning one direction and the the curveball or whatever to be spinning in the opposite direction. Heath Henry, he mirrors his fastball and curveball really well. Um, the measured by the, the Hawkeye cameras, he, I mean, if you look at his, his fastballs around like one, two o'clock and then his curveballs like between eight and nine. So it's pretty close. So if he, if that's something they saw and they know how to help him tunnel his pitches better, I mean, you're looking at another guy who can throw a fastball and a curveball that looks exactly the same almost all the way through the zone until it's near the plate and then it breaks in a different direction. So that's something I think they could build off for him. Um, you mentioned that he threw, he didn't throw his curveball much last year, I think. Cleveland nine, might nine talk point percent yeah throw yeah, that more yeah right yeah if there's something to that because i mean he had it in the past when he was better and then it declined last year when he was terrible obviously but it was uh, just a weird season like you said but i think there's a chance that they could have him just throw his curveball more and show him that he can mirror these pitches so well and if he's if he's as open as he sounds then i'm i think it's cool that he's willing to do anything Listen, two neat signings that i think w- could could pay dividends or not and at the end of the day i think that's these again, these are the kind of things I think that, that the team maybe we've maybe we've convinced ourselves of this, but these are the kinds of things that this team is good at doing is finding these diamonds in the rough. I mean, their, their best player over the last five years at this point was a diamond in the rough, and that's I'm talking about Jose Ramirez, obviously. You know, he was some dude, so them finding guys like this who've turned into something or not, and who cares? Like, whatever, you gotta fill the bullpen with, with, with something, and that's the fun part of spring training. Roll the dice as many times as you can, like, you know, who. If you're going to spring training, you know who 85 to 90% of your roster is going to be. So who gives a shit if they do anything? Like, go run around in the backfields for a while. Go take some hacks in, the, you know, in a B team. But just start running guys out there to see if they're any good. Guys who were former first-round picks or who were good four years ago or what have you. And, you know, maybe you'll, maybe you'll strike gold. 
These guys want jobs. Shit. So Major League Baseball, they're, they're, they totally didn't in the past, Merit. They absolutely never uh, manipulated the baseball. Never. They denied that. There was no way they juiced the ball. The fact There that was never was a time the called the dead ball era. Never. <laughs> and there was <laughs> never in recent years a time where every single batter changed their their approach to hitting because the ball was flying out of the park so easily. But now MLB. 2014 um, this, never happened. All right? <laughs> never existed. Um, the Athletic got a hold of a memo that MLB sent to front office executives and equipment managers about changes to the ball. They're obviously, I don't think they said the word deadening, but it's pretty clearly what they're doing. Um, they said it's going to be very slightly reduced offense has the potential to. Um, it's like the equivalent of adding five feet, five feet of outfield walls to the big leagues. This is going to be um, a fucking disaster. I, <laughs> it got mixed reaction, as you can imagine, front offices. The, the thing I think about Cleveland is I think they've, I think I actually said this on the podcast before, I think they're planning for this. They, they because of all these middle inferiors they have who are not necessarily big power hitters, they got these guys who can spray the ball over the field. They have a bunch of um, fly ball pitchers, which has kind of hurt them in the past. Like going back for the past several years, they've been one of the highest fly ball pitching teams. But if they if the ball's dead now and they can just get outfielders to catch all those and maybe that helps them a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. So I, I get the general gist that you um <laughs> you're not a big fan of this. Oh no! Ball here. Oh no, no 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 no! I love this idea. It's just gonna be a fucking disaster. <laughs> I think it will be for this year when everybody's still uppercutting everything and figuring oh, it out, and then there's man. a million warning track shots. Dude, it took them like four years to adjust to what it is now. Like it's not gonna be a single year. Like oh, we'll just do a little. The, the twins. Built their entire team <laughs> around this, around the other just mash dingers all day. Like Max Kepler is going to have fourteen home runs next year. Uh, Nelson Cruz's career is finished. I'm, I'm overreacting a little bit, obviously, but like, goddamn, this is this is a hilarious idea that I think that I can't. Like, oh, it only reduces home runs by five percent. How do you fucking know? Like, that's that's the best part. Yeah. I think they are massively underselling the, the impact this is going to have. Like, it sucks because, like, you know, I, was, I talked literally a week ago about Eddie Rosario being a 30 home run threat. Maybe not so much anymore. But, no, this is – it's it's an absolutely hilarious idea that they came up with to do this. I mean, we know they do this all the time. The, the, oh, yeah. the, the Major League Baseball is the most easily manipulatable uh, um, ball. Sport or, ball? Sport ball there is. I mean, outside the, – the only like, it's probably that one. A soccer I mean, ball, it, right? I guess. Because uh, the rest like, are obvious if you do something to it, but there's actually stuff in the baseball. It's not just correct. Air, yeah, so you can do like, whatever. I, well, because with the soccer ball, I remember, like they had that one in a couple World Cups ago that was like it just it moved like a goddamn knuckleball. Like goalies hated it because you could just bend it like a um, like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Zlatan Ibrahimovic hit like a 45 yard bicycle kick with it at one point. Um, but yeah, like the football, you can't do anything with that. Like everyone, it's the same football. The basketball, a while back, they tried to change those. Yeah, basically, put razor blades on the outside. And yeah, they, 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 like, they, they hated it. Um, a hockey puck is just a fucking hockey puck. So yeah, it's, like, <laughs> you it's can make it glow on stone. TV, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah, but like this is like, this is the only one where you can manipulate it as you see fit from year to year, from day, game to game, even like from pitch to pitch. But no, I, I love this idea because it's just so boneheaded. And it's like, it's so like. The worst part know. is it's basically going back to what they had before, before they screwed it up to begin with and made everything three true outcomes, which I, I think in the long run, I like this going back to, because right away, like you're not wrong. It's going to make everybody just, it's going to be a disaster for teams that built around yeah. this and yeah. players who built around this. Like I'm kind of worried about Jose Ramirez, the fact that he's best when he's selling out for power, even if it doesn't always account for home runs. But I think in the long run, 
when players start to figure out that not everything is flying out of the park, then they're going to adjust back to just line drive swings. And maybe that'll lead to like somebody who can get by on hitting a lot of ground balls and then uh, beating the shift more. It'll focus on other things besides just blasting the snot out of the ball. But so I think in the long run, it could be good, but in a, in a year or two years, it's going to be a rough game of baseball, I think, which is not good. I think at some point, like players have to step in and just kind of demand they keep the ball consistent because they're the ones being screwed by this. There's players yeah, this who are... Yeah, best people with money. Like, that's the thing. Like, yeah. This, the, the idea behind this, obviously, is, well, the fans want more balls in play, which, first of all, I don't understand how this is going to put more balls in play. The pitching is still absolutely insane. If you want more balls in play, you, you move the pitching mound back uh, or something. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be, it's such a stupid idea. And I think it's hilarious that they're doing and the it. balls to do it in the year where the CBA is being renegotiated or something too. That's a little, that is a yeah. wild idea to do that right now. I don't know what they're doing, but at the end of the day, the math already has demonstrated that more hitting a home run is inherently more valuable. And if you just have to sell out even more fine, like we, it's been proven that Mark Reynolds was, a, was still a valuable player despite striking out 250 times a year. Like Adam Dunn was a supremely valuable player, despite not playing the field, being slow as anything, because he hit forty dongs, walked constantly, and uh, and struck out two hundred twenty-five times. Like that's not going away unless you literally go back to the dead ball and make it make it so if you hit a home run, it's an out. Is the only way you're gonna like. There's no genie to put back the ball. You know, it's it's like with basketball. Like they'd have to move the three point line. They have to remove the three point line to change how the the geography that how that game is played. So um, it's just I, I love that they do. The, I was gonna say I just love how they, they, they do these silly little things. It's like the NFL. They were just talking about how they they, they made a concerted choice to not call certain st- um, like penalties anymore, like holding and offensive pass interference in twenty twenty for whatever reason, and they had more points scored than ever. So they're gonna change that in twenty twenty one, and it's just I don't know. It's it's, it's funny how they just. They're, they're, they're playing these games with these games, and I love this idea, and I can't wait to see the, the havoc that it, it, it brings. All right, Mary, let's finish up. Um, uh, yesterday on Twitter, I asked everybody on on Twitter is where I asked them. Where asked is them about who should be <laughs> on, on Twitter, Mary, twitter.com. I've let's never used this devilish-sounding <laughs> website. It sounds like a place of sin. <laughs> I asked everybody I who should be I'm Cleveland's closer. i church all day. Sorry, go on. <laughs> in 2021. Um I mean, only I can only have four choices again. Twitter, it's their it's their fault. Um, I had James Karinchak, Emmanuel you know, Classe, Nick Wicker, and Phil Maton. The way I would assume going into this is thinking. Um, so Michael Bode brought up uh, an excellent point that where's the option for leverage based relief rather than using the old school rules? I think <laughs> this, this this poll is assuming that we know they're not going to do that. As much as that probably be the right thing to do, it's I, I guess I should have said if Cleveland is going to have a closer, who should it be? Which is the way I, I was thinking of it when I did it, but obviously. I think most people who follow us and who listen would would choose the higher leverage option. But if uh, knowing Cleveland is going to have a closer, that's just because how baseball works and Terry Francona is their manager. Who should it be? Not necessarily who will it be, who should it be? Um, 73% said James Karinchak, 16 for Emmanuel Classe, 8 for Will Whit- Phil Whitgren, or Nick Whitgren, 1.7 for Phil Maton, um, which I voted for Karen Chak just because I think he will be, and I think he probably should be. If we're going by the old school rules, if you put your best pitcher back there, then sure. You gotta vote with your heart, bro. Come on now. <laughs> My heart is Nick Whitgren because I think doing that leaves you class A, Karen Chak, and Phil Mayton to actually pitch in your high leverage situations. And Nick Whitgren is solid enough where he can come in for an empty inning at the end of a game and still win you it. But I don't know. I'm on the fence. I think it's fine to put Karen Chak back there if he has, I don't know, if he just wants to be the closer because that, that appeals to him and he can 
turn it up a notch being in the ninth inning. I don't know. He just seems like that kind of guy. But um, but yeah, there were some joke answers for Brian Shaw, which I know yeah. before we put it up there. You son of a bitch. Everybody else thought it too <laughs> because he's back. <laughs> there was – I'm scrolling through. I see at least three where people are asking, where's Brian Shaw? And I told one yeah, person not sure. to encourage you. Or Heath Embry. <laughs> or Heath uh, He should also be the closer. Oh, maybe it's not a terrible option. But. So I, go, I, I think I mentioned this before, and I'm kind of of two minds about this. Obviously. I so loved like the setup of the bullpen in like 2016, 2017, right? Oh, so good. Yeah. Where it was just um, your best reliever in. um, Thank you. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, Was just this this, this roving agent of chaos that's just waiting, looming, ready to destroy uh, at any given time. It was so cool just to have this nuclear weapon at all times and then just not have to worry about the, uh, the ninth inning. So I like the idea of having that, but. I was thinking about this today, and like the thing about Emmanuel Class A that is not a thing that, uh, and we just kind of touched on before with Karinczak, it's not a thing that Karinczak can do is, Class A is good at getting ground balls because his key pitch is a 100-mile-an-hour cutter. Now, he can strike people out with it, certainly, but he's known better for getting uh, weak contact with it. So if I have a high-leverage situation, guy on base or something, and I need to shut this whole bullshit down, and I know I have a great infield defense, as we know, Cleveland does, it might actually make sense to use Class A in that situation. And then, as we mentioned before, because Karen Jack behaves in a perfect sequence at all times, he's only actually useful in a, in a um, clean inning. So I'd have to go with Karen Jack for that exact convoluted reason there. Now, obviously, <laughs> Brian Shaw was not an answer, so I can't pick that. But um, best one or two is obviously, I, I think it's either Class A or uh, Karen check and then just have the other one as the kind of the that, that kind of aimable weapon. The looming Andrew Miller. Yeah. Right, which, exactly. Which and is, I think I think class A is the perfect choice for that one. And kind of an aside, but like thinking back, like when Andrew Miller was here, I think he might have been my favorite player in those couple of years. There was nothing as exciting as knowing he was coming in. Is like I don't know. There, I mean there was I guess plenty more things, but just like knowing you have this guy who's gonna come in with these this big lanky guy who's throwing these absolutely it. disgusting <laughs> sliders. And there was no way anybody was gonna hit him and you could watch him just make people look silly for that year and a half where he was just the best pitcher on the planet was one of my favorite memories of back in those years. But I would call him my most anticipated player every single yeah, game. That's a good like, one. Yeah. Like I, I, not my favorite. I think it was probably Michael Brantley. Even we didn't get to see him in 2016, which I thought was very sad. Probably. And then Jose Ramirez too. But yeah, I'm just looking at this. I mean, class a, uh, he's only pitched one inning where one season in the majors, but he had a 60.6 round ball rate. Uh, prior to that, in the minors, 61.2, 76.9, I mean, he gets ground balls, right? He doesn't allow home runs. Um, well, he doesn't allow balls in the air, basically. And especially now with the ball being changed, he's going to be even more vicious. But I think this definitely got, kind of guy definitely profiles is more of the... It's like having Brian Shaw, or not Brian, it's like having Dan Otero, except the ability for Dan Otero to throw 100 miles an hour, which... I love that idea. Honestly, that's a cool. That's a cool set of pictures of me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if Class A wasn't just made of steroids, like he, that wasn't all that made him good. Cleveland's going to come away from that Kluber trade a million miles in front. I think, like Kluber would have been gone by now. Um, maybe he would have pitched well last year, because I mean, the whole butterfly effect. He probably wouldn't have been hurt right away. But I mean, if they come away with Emmanuel Class A being what he was, like if steroids were not that big of a factor, because I think didn't he hurt his shoulder and then he got busted for steroids? So maybe he was using it. To like recover from no that, idea. it was. I don't, I don't remember know, but, things, um, but if that's the case, and if it wasn't all this stuff was just all steroids, I mean, he's just so exciting because that cutter is just ridiculous. I mean, if you 
He doesn't walk anybody a whole lot. He doesn't. I mean, he strikes out enough for a cutter like that and getting sixty percent ground balls. So there was an article a year or last year, I think, after the trade, and it was talking about like he could become a strikeout pitcher because he has a pretty good slider as well. Oh yeah. So like the, the thing is like those two, I would think mirror pretty well. I, I don't know if they have uh, the fun. Well, I don't think we'd actually have his measured spin rate because he only pitched in 2019. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, they were still measuring stuff. I guess they didn't have the. It would have been inferred, the, but it wouldn't be exact. The Hawkeye stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, so they don't even have um, it on baseball savant. But, but yeah, again, might, yeah, we'll like, see this year. He's got the pitches, so I mean, in theory, at least it's it's very very good. It's got a very high spin rate, so that's that's always a positive. Hey. Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, yeah, really no. holy cow. He was his fastball yes. spinner is ridiculous. Yes. What was Texas uh, doing, Marriott? Why did they trade this guy for Corey Kluber? I like Corey they Kluber. Need, they needed but... to compete. <laughs> <laughs> that worked out well. Yeah. Um, you know, they got no, the no, shield back. I like the the Karen Ch- I like the idea of Karen Chet just kind of holding down the ninth and then having this this monster looming. As it is, it's gonna be some sort of combination of him, Maiden, and and uh Karen Check. So um we're back. Has baby. a chance to be the the Miller Shaw Allen of I guess it'd be the twenty twenties like it has a chance to be pretty good right because Mayton is I think Mayton would be the Shaw because he's going to hundred percent first of all he throws a gonna, cutter yeah they're going <laughs> to undervalue him and he's going to blow it up once in a while but nobody's going to notice when he comes into the seventh inning repeatedly and destroys everything correct Karen Jack will be Andrew Miller or no I guess Class A I, I agree that yeah Karen I mean it, in my in my reference point he is the, he is the Andrew Miller but either way like. It, I'm sorry about this before Karen Jack is basically Cody Allen's exact repertoire just cranked up to eleven like. Instead of a 94 mile fastball, it's 99. Instead of a, a, a curveball that drops this far, it, tr- it falls out of the sky. And it's just, yeah, he is. It, it, it has a chance to be, I think, in net better than that trio, which, I mean, you know, I, we're probably looking back a little bit rose colored guys, but that, that, those bullpens were amazing. Like, absolutely untouchable. And like, no one talked about it in, in national news, but uh, whatever it looks like, this has a, a, a great chance. Um, to be in a, to really like the fact, and the fact that they have other guys they can just kind of go to. Like you mentioned, Whitgren and guys you can trust. Then I mean, he's slightly he something. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Someone else that they pull out of their ass. I mean, if he ends up in the bullpen, maybe even Tristan McKenzie. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, him, him or Cal Quantrill could be there. Logan Allen could be in the bullpen somewhere. Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm I'm very excited about just seeing the bullpen kind of work because it's they recognize it. We we all see it. Bullpens are bigger and bigger and bigger every year. They need. They need well, at this point if they actually make the playoffs, they need five good arms. Like that's what we've been seeing, right? Your your starter is going to go four. It, it doesn't matter if your starter is the best pitcher in baseball. You're going to get five max out of them. You, like you know, they, they just they're they're there now. I think they're they're on their way to being a, a well built team for the postseason. Now with this stupid ball shit, they're going to win the division because the, because the Twins, the twins can't the pitch. <laughs> the twins can't pitch. They okay, can't hit, like, so good luck. <laughs> Uh, great stuff. <laughs> That'll do it for us this week. Um, if you haven't already, find this Let's Go Tribe on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you listen. Leave us a review if you can. Five stars if you want. Um, let us know how we're doing in the reviews. Um, find Let's Go Tribe at Let's Go Tribe on Twitter and Facebook. Find me at Matt R L Y on Twitter and Merrill or Merrill Merritt at Merrill Lunch, like Merrill Lynch, but with the lunch. Um, Follow Merit. me at Money Merit on Instagram too, so you can look at pictures of my cats <laughs> and Money Merit. Stews I make. It's Just great. Do not scroll down and see that goddamn pizza again with the uh, the seafood or, on top. It is the, the worst one, picture. The one people, a huge piece of fudge. That I, have. I love that picture. <laughs> anyway, talk to you next week, Merritt. See you. <laughs>